Today is the sixth day of Christmas. And the gospel reading for today is Luke 2, verse 41 to 52, which came read for us. And our suggested theme for today would be, he has sent his son to unite us. And the title of today's message is quite relevant with the theme, which is in unity. Long time ago, in Greece, a lot of people gathered together to compete by using all type of skills that they have. And this is what today we call the Olympics. It was quite an exciting moment for human beings because they had the opportunity to be together to do something. That brought a lot of joy and excitement to their heart because they were able to come together to do something. In 1930, a couple of people in Europe said, you know what, we have the gift of using a ball. Why don't we just organize ourselves and then do something where your country can come play with my country, and after that, you know, the winner will be awarded by a trophy. This is what we call the World Cup. It was a very exciting moment for human beings because they were able to get together and then play soccer. And even today, people still puzzle a lot of joy around the World Cup. When it's time for World Cup, you see people, they decorate their cars, their house, they wear jerseys, because they say, like, well, human beings are coming together, we're going to play soccer. A lot of excitement, because human beings are getting together to do things. In 1945, after World War II, it was a very difficult time in human history. It was a time when human beings could be defined as pure evil. There were a lot of trouble, a lot of struggle around the world. The human race was tormented in trouble. It was like the end of the world. And after this mess, a couple of countries, a couple of people, they gathered together. They said, you know what? This shouldn't happen. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of our planet. Why don't we create something that we call the United Nations? Oh, that was a very, very exciting moment for human beings. Because they were able to create this organization calling the UN. Say, you know what, now we're not going to have, we're not going to do war anymore. No more war. Let yours gather together, and then we're going to share our cultures. We're going to share what we have. We have to look after one another. We have same interests. We are just the human race. That was a beautiful thing. All around the world, people were so glad and happy to that. Because human beings united for a common purpose. So, you understand the concept of unity 
It's not something new to human beings. Human beings have this idea of getting together to do things for the common interest of a country or a group, an organization, the planet, or the race. And in John 17, we see Jesus pray for unity. This is what we call the pastoral prayer. Where Jesus is about to leave. He knows that without unity, the disciple they will fail. He knows they're going need to be united to gain soul for his kingdom. He knows that they have a lot of differences. After watching them for three years, he knows their weaknesses, their strength. He knows that Peter has a lot of courage, but sometimes he talks too much. Ah, that might create a problem for the group. And he knows that Matthew and Luke, they are very smart. They are very sophisticated when they are using complex vocabularies. He knows that they could be quite daunting and convoluted when they are using their complex vocabularies. And that could create a problem for the group. He knows some of them have a lot of ambitions. They want to be the best. They want to be superstars in heaven. He knows that can create a problem for the group. Therefore, he decided to pray for them. He decided to pray for unity. Couple of ideas about this passage. Jesus prayed for unity because it is a testimony of the Father's will. If you read in John 17, verse 23, you would see Jesus say, The world will know that you've sent me. The Father sent me in the spirit of unity. If you gather together, if you stay as one group in me, the world, they would know that you've sent me. They would know that we're not just a group of people. We're not a club. But we have a purpose. The Father's will for us is to be united in me. This is what Jesus was telling them, I pray. In addition to that, Jesus prayed for unity because he knows that unity is a mark of true discipleship. If you were to go in a place that called church, if there is no unity, call it whatever you want. But it's not a church. One of the image or metaphor that Jesus is using to talk about his church is the human body. To show how united 
the members are in him. Not only he prayed for unity because it is a mark of true disciple. Also, it is a replication of divine love. When you read verse 23 again, you see Jesus is talking about the love of the Father. The love that exists between him and the Father. The love that exists in the Trinity. He said, you have loved me. And also, he expressed the love that he has for the disciple. He said, if you understand the love that my father, the love that my father has for me, you also, you would be able to live that love. It's quite important for Jesus. Because as part of the Trinity, he knows what love is. And later on, He tried to explain to them, guys, I know that you already, you know, you already with me. We've done a lot of things together. But the idea, what I'm trying to tell you, is more than just a group. The unity that I am praying for is not just a group of people getting together it has something that transcends the unity of human being it has something that transcends the UN the World Cup the Olympics it has something that is priceless and in that love in that unity those are the elements that you would find togetherness Oneness, love, harmony. Jesus understands that there were already 12. Why would he pray for them to be united? There were already a group. But he's looking for something deeper. He wants them to go behind, beyond the gathering. He wants them to be a mystical body. He wants them to represent the Father. He wants them to show to the world that there is something bigger than what we can understand. The divine is present. He wants them to be, he wants them, in fact, he he wants them to represent the love that exists within the Trinity. This is the reason why he's telling them whenever you gather together in my name if you ask for something you would receive it. Now a definition could be a good place to start when it's come to understand a word or a concept. But quite often, a definition could be very, uh, could limit you in the understanding of the concept. Uh, 
To understand unity, you would have to go back to Latin or French in order to understand that the root, the root of this word is unititas. That means one. And then in French, that would be unity. And that word played a lot of role in what we call French literature. If you know about what we call unité de temps, unité d'action, unité d'espace, what we call unity of time, space, and action, you would understand how big is that word when it comes to unity. But what I like about this little definition, it explains unity as a group of elements that kind of comes together to accomplish one single purpose. The idea of this definition is to show us that when it comes to unity, it's not a bunch of, I mean, identical things or elements that come together, but they're quite different. When they come together, they work toward one purpose or a common goal. That what makes unity. We don't have to be all alike. We don't have to like the same thing. We don't have to wear the same thing to be united. But we need to have a common goal and purpose. We need to have something that cement us together. For us Christians, that is Jesus. That is the love of God. Jesus also prayed for unity. Because... Jesus knows perfectly well what unity looks like. One of the definitions of, of God in Christian theology is to understand God as a trinity. I think that would be a basic concept for many of us who have been Christian for a long time. It's not that we have three gods, but we have one God that kind of living in the Trinity. This picture here explains that perfectly well. What happened is the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The essence, this is what connects them. The essence is what makes them alike. They are all gods. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And then the three together, they give us what we call God. When you take a look to watch this picture, you don't just go ahead and then see, oh, okay, I see the Father. Okay, I see the Son. Okay, I see the Holy Spirit. But you see the big picture first. And that gives you a good idea about what's going on. And when you try to break it down, when you try to study the elements, it helps you to understand the unity that exists within this picture. And one of the best ways to understand that, again, if we come back to this word, oneness. That tells you that, okay... It's not just three parts, but it is one big picture with three different beings that come together and then make us 
understand what is God. And also when it comes to this unity, one of the most important things that we need to understand about that is relationship. Relationship. Even in God, there is relationship. Jesus is asking the disciple to be united so that they could develop good relationship. Jacques, are we good? Try not to move too much. Okay, thank you. It's the same for us as a church. We are one. We are the body of Christ. But in the body of Christ, we develop relationship. Relationship is very important for the church. We don't just come here. Like, should I... Okay. Think we're good. So, John Satan is a British theologian. He tried to analyze the unity that is present to us in John chapter 17. And there are three things that we need to understand. There are three things that is very important for us to understand when it's come to this prayer. The first one is the source of this unity. First of all, Jesus is the one who is praying. He is the source of this unity. He is the vine. He is the good shepherd. He teaches his disciples to stay abiding in him. Because without him, they won't be able to do anything. It's the same for us as a church. In order for us to be united, we need to abide. We need to stay connected with Christ. If we try to do it by using our money or by using our knowledge, we're going to fail. In fact, God is both the source and the model of this unity. And we need to stay connected together by feeding ourselves in the love of Christ. Not only the source of this unity is important for us to understand. We need to understand the nature of this unity. What is the nature of this unity that we're talking about? It is a unity of love. It's not that we're just standing there and then calling ourselves a church and we are proud and we are telling people that we are a church. No. We are united because we love each other. Because we 
devoted ourselves to show Christ's love to one another and to the people around us. And also, it is a unity of loyalty. We cannot say that we're Christian and then we are one body, we are united. And we don't pay attention to the teaching of Jesus. We don't show any respect or any love for his teaching or for the church. We have to be loyal to his calling. And the last thing that John explained to us is that this unity has a purpose. And what is the purpose of this unity? That would be one of the most important things for us to understand. The purpose of this unity is for us to help other people to know God. We're not just here to sing, worship together. We're not just here and to wear our beautiful clothes and to give time to give money. It's part of it, very important. But we're here so that other people can know the love of God. So that they understand that the creator is concerned about their soul. So that they understand the creator loves them. And also for fellowship. It is very important for us not to say, oh, you know what, I'm Christian. And then you stay home, you worship, you pray. There is nothing wrong with that. But it is very important to be part of a body. It is very important to belong to a congregation. We encourage one another. We listen to one another. We live the love of Christ. We experience that in unity, in community. And most importantly, if you forget everything that I mentioned today, remember that the purpose of this unity is bearing fruit. That is one of the most important things that we need to understand. Friends, we are missing the point if we are not bearing fruit. We are missing the point if we just come to church and sit down and singing. We are missing the point if we're not being productive. We are missing the point if we're not getting involved in church activities. We are missing the point if we're not helping the world. We are missing the point if we're not helping people around us. They won't know that we are Christian. They they wouldn't understand that there is something greater than, you know, profit, interest. They would understand divine love is when we start to bear fruit by caring for the people around us. By being a church that is not afraid to go outside when it minus 30 to give chocolate to people, to organize activities around Christmas, to invite people to eat for Thanksgiving, to give clothing to people who doesn't have clothing, 
pay for school for those who doesn't have friends and family. To be there for the poor and the needy. This is how we bear fruit. We have to be a church that is productive. And this is the reason why we gathered together here. Not to sing. Not to pray. But because we want to show to the world that God is real. In order for us to touch them, in order for, them, for us to reach out to them, we cannot just stay here and then preaching, preaching, preaching. We have to be action-oriented. If I come here and then preach every Sunday, and then I don't do anything for the people around me, what good is that? What good is that? I have to be mindful about the needs of the people around me. Because we are a group, because we are united. When we understand this unity that way, this is when we begin to do what Christ asks us to do. There's somebody else that kind of George and Murray, they said that very well when it comes to barefoot. Listen, they say the church is to be the embodiment of the revelation and the redemption of Christ before the world. So that the world may not only hear that Jesus is the Christ who has achieved redemption for all. But they may see that the redemptive revelation of the Christ has power has power to transform falling men and women into the likeness of God and to bring about the kind of community that the world needs. That's powerful. That's powerful. The only way we'll be able to impact the world around us, our neighborhood, is to be productive, is to be action-oriented, not by, by doing things, by loving people, loving strangers. Quite often, people fail to understand the power of the church. People fail to understand who we are because we're not doing things. Quite often, people don't experience the love of Christ because we are afraid. I think that kind of summarizes it very well for us. A community that the world needs. I don't think I have to tell you that Nowadays, we have a lot of fallen men and women around the world. Our world is sick and broken. And we, as people of God, as unity, we need to do something about that. And I think this is why the series of sermon that's coming about, This Is Us, is going to be very helpful for people to understand, hey, we're not afraid to go to Salvation Army to help. Because this is our calling. Because this is our mission.
Unity is a powerful thing. I don't think I have to tell you that. You know better than I do. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 to 9, that explains very well to us the power of unity. Let's go. Let's see. Let's say, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came up on a plain in the land of Shina and settled there. And they say to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they are bricks for stone and bitter men for muddle. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heaven and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the warfare. Listen to that. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which models had built, and the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing. That is, that is the Lord who is talking. It's not Peter. It's not Abraham. It's not, it's not Jacob. That is God who is talking. God said, nothing, nothing that they propose to do will not be, will now be impossible for them. The Bible says, whenever God says something, it will accomplish. God give a powerful testimony about unity. When human beings had gathered to do something, said nothing. Come, let us go down. You see how powerful is that? God doesn't, hey Gabriel, go there, do something. God say, let us. Because unity was so powerful. What they were doing was so powerful because they were united and therefore God himself decided the Trinity decided to go down and do something about that because of the power of unity. A lot of things might be impossible for me. A lot of things might be impossible for you. But when we get together, when we gather together in the name of the Lord, we can accomplish a lot of things. We don't have, we don't have to keep praying for miracles. We don't have to keep asking God, God, would you please go ahead and then feed the poor? God, would you please go ahead and then help this person get a house? We have the power to make miracles happen. We have the power to transform the world around us. The only way we can do that is to be united 
to be united in the name of God, to be united in Christ. Unity is not only a powerful thing. Unity is very beautiful. I remember when I was a little kid, my mother always said, guys, be grateful because you have each other. Be grateful because we are a family. A family is a beautiful thing. You know better than I do. I don't have family. Like, uh, you know better than I do. But you get the idea. When you see moms and dad getting together, and then you see children around them, that's beautiful. It's not about accomplishment. It's not about how many PhD and doctorate do you have. It's not about masters. But it's about a beautiful unity that cement them. And people are very proud to be part of a family. People feel very happy when they have other human beings around them. It's always beautiful when you see people gathered together in a common spirit. It's so beautiful. It's so lovely. You just sit there and watch that. Wow. They are one beautiful family. Look at them. And I think one of the passages that describes that best for us in the Bible, that would be Psalm 133. That is a beautiful passage. I always love reading this passage because it's so beautiful. Let's see if we can read it. Say, how wonderful it is, how pleasant for God's people to live together in harmony. It is like the precious anointing of oil running down to the color of his robe. It is like the dew of the Mount Hermons falling on the hills of Zion. That is where the Lord has promised his blessing. Life, life that never ends. I want to be in a place like that. I want to be in a place where there is life that's never ends because of unity. So now you see why I don't shave because of this passage. See, running down from heaven's head and webs. That is very beautiful and pleasant for people to get together in the name of God. That is beautiful. In fact, this is what Jesus wanted the disciples to understand. True and authentic spiritual unity. They have to be constantly maintain the same. They have to do that in order for them to be disciples. Not only that, they have to stay united in the spirit of God. They have to stay united in the spirit of God. Not just united, but in the spirit of God. And they have to work toward one common purpose. And in the same passage, Jesus explained to them, you see, 
You're going to be one like my father and I are one. Yeah. You're not going to just say, all right. No. Friends, once again, this reminder encourages us to stay united in the Lord and to show to the world and to the people around us the love of God. To help them understand that God is real. In order for us to do that, we have to ask the Lord for his help and guidance. Would you please stand with me? This morning we're going, we're going, to, have, we're going to read together a covenant of unity. We... We vow knowledge. We vow to sustain. We vow to be the embodiment. Of your Holy Spirit and unity, power of your divine and infinite love, every effort. Amen.